week, and you see it up on the screen. We started last week, but we're going this whole year with this theme of holy, holy, like fully holy, 100% holy, and you can't do that on your own. Because the only source of holiness is a holy God. It's not you and me, but it's him. But when he's in us, we're holy. We're set apart. Listen to this, and I don't have it on the screen, but I have it in front of me. It's 1 Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And 1 Peter 1.16 says, since it's written, you shall be holy, for I'm holy. You guys, we've been set free by an amazingly awesome, perfect, holy God. And he doesn't call us to kind of be holy. He doesn't call us to kind of follow him. But you know how that goes, right? I mean, I can't get out of my mind what it was like to step from 15 degree air into, what, 37 degree water? I don't know if you've ever experienced going from super cold to water that's normally really cold, but it feels warmer. That was crazy. And then my friend's beard froze. And my friend's hair froze. And I couldn't feel my feet for like 10 minutes. They were there. (laughs) I saw them. But you guys, I mean, this is sometimes you got to literally just step into it, even though you're not sure what's going to happen. You know that God knows, and you know that God is calling you to something amazing. And that leads to this. We're in a series starting last week called Empowered. Here's a big idea. Christians today can live empowered by the Holy Spirit. With boldness, with unity, with unwavering faith. To bring the love and life of Jesus Christ to the world around them. To summarize it, and John and I worked on this. Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 7, it's to your advantage that I go away. And he was about to die, and they didn't even put that together, but it was real clear, real quick. Because him going away allowed for the coming of his Holy Spirit. We're not merely to exist as passive believers waiting for the return of Jesus. Instead, as Christ's followers, we're empowered by his Spirit. And that enables us to live a life characterized by boldness, unity, purity to bring people to Jesus. As Pastor John just said, and I read that as well, and I love Paul David Tripp, when we lose our gospel mind, we got to come back to the gospel. The gospel is good news all the time to all people everywhere, including you who already know it. And so with that, we're looking at the book of Acts. And if you'll join me in Acts 1, that would be wonderful. I'm not going to read through 1 through 11, but I will give you a quick snapshot. What we looked at in there is that Jesus' followers saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Up to 500 of them saw him. And I don't know all of the people that were on the mountain when he came back and was getting ready to ascend. But there was at least 11, probably a lot more than that. And Jesus said, look. 
power is going to come on you. Wait for the power. The power is the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witnesses. You guys remember where he said they would be his witnesses? It was so cool from up here. It was so fun. I'd go, oh, my God. <laughs> You're right, probably. <laughs> to all the earth. And to the close Jerusalem, the city they literally were in. And to, to Judea, who were like them, but a little bit different. There had been all this war and battle between these people. And then Samaria was, boy, they're really different because they're half Jewish and half not. And then to the ends of the earth. And he said, everywhere you're going to have this power. And then he blesses them. And as he's blessing them, he's lifted up and ascended into heaven right while they're there and they're watching them go up. And then a cloud shields him from their view, but they're still looking. And some angels show up, and they're like, hey, you guys, he said this is going down. It's time. He'll come back just like he left, but that won't be right now. And that hasn't been for 2,000 years. And a lot of people take a break because they're like, is it even possible that he's coming back? It's not only possible, he's never not kept his word. And yet, here we are. 2,000 years later, same spirit, same Jesus, same opportunities for us to trust him and to follow him and believe him and to make him known. We're empowered, church. And I want to talk to you about something. Together. We're empowered to be together. You know what together means, right? Would you help me? Help define that word for me real quick. For us. What does it mean to be together? Without using the word together. United. Committed? Oh, I'm sorry. Connected. Yeah. What else? relationship community very good Ooh, as one outstanding sometimes you'll hear the phrase we need to be on the same team I've been on a lot of teams from family to school teams you know like projects we at school are like, you do this part, and you do this part, and you do this part, and we all have to do our parts, and then we get this collective grade. And how many times have you been the one that's done your part, but somebody else didn't? The old joke goes like this. I want my team that we were on the project with from school to be the ones that bury me when I die so they can let me down one more time. <laughs> and that doesn't feel, right? So much like a team. And yet, teams have to not just be on the same team. We need to be on the same page. We need to actually be playing for and working for and striving for one another. So we're going to look at together out of Acts 1, and we're going to go 12 through 26. Going to take a couple of breaks in there as we read through it. 
So let's start with Acts 1, 12 through 14. So they had already returned, right? Or they're returning to Jerusalem. They had just literally, well, let me read it for you. Acts 1, 12. Then they, those people that just saw Jesus get lifted up, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. If you geek out like me, you look that kind of stuff up. I don't want to tell you how many steps it was, but I will tell you it was over a half mile away. But you couldn't walk much more than that according to their law on the Sabbath side. And so they weren't that far away. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the the zealot, and Judas the son of James. Not the bad Judas, but this Judas. All of these with one accord. I will get it out of the way. Many people have told the Bible dad joke. What is the first car mentioned in the Bible? And this is where they get it from. In one accord. (laughs) Okay, now it's out there. All right. But what does this mean? The Greek word on this is tough to pronounce. Homothadion, and it means of one mind. They're on the same page, going in the same area, in the same direction. But they were all there, and it's those 11 people, and then we're going to find out there was more. And they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And like they can mean his sisters as well. Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters. It wasn't just cousins. It wasn't just people that were just showing up. These were his actual family. And if you remember back in the book of John, his brothers didn't believe in him at first. They actually mocked him. But his resurrection changed everything for so many people, maybe even for you. But so they're all together. And I was reminded of a, well, it's not going to feel all that pleasant when you hear it, but it's funny and it's painful and it's true. An anonymous friend of mine said, the problem with ministry is the people. It's not just the people that are being ministered to. It's the people that are ministering, just as I confess. I have my days that are off as well. But God loves people. He made them in his image, and he redeems them and loves them, and he wants them. And yet so many times, ministry gets so messy. And people are like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take a break from all that. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Amen. But you're part of a body of Christ. There's lots of parts to a body. But a lot of times we like to isolate ourselves. There are so many different people here. I wrote down just a few different things about the people that were in this group that we understand. And they really could have been divided, by the way. But they were together. 
there are different people with different skills, different opportunities. They were together with one accord, one mind. They were given or granted something from God to be together, to be witnesses. They were harmonious. There was women, there was men, there were fishermen. There was a tax collector. There was a zealot. If you don't know, they were on different teams before they were together. A zealot wanted to kill Rome. He was an insurrectionist and did all kinds of different things in rebellion to them. And a tax collector, well, he would have just funded the war machine of Rome. But Jesus chose them together. There was others who didn't believe in him at first. There was a guy named Peter who decided he was going to deny Jesus three times. And one of them heard him do that. There was one guy named John that actually was told by Jesus, this is your mother now. And he said to his own mom, this is your son, while he was on the cross. There's people who could have said, oh, man, I was Jesus' favorite. And there could have been people who said, oh, you shouldn't be the guy. What are you the guy for? Who made you the guy? Before Jesus died, right before he died, they were arguing about who's the greatest. There wasn't any of that going on, apparently. They were together. And if the problem with ministry is that people are different, Jesus seems to actually take different people and make that a beautiful thing about ministry. What a great opportunity. People see things that you don't see. People are strong in areas that you're not. If you keep your finger there in Acts, we're going to turn back yet again to the book of John. I say yet again because we've been there a lot in the last 12 months. We're going to John 13, 35. Out of the mouth of the Most High God, Jesus, he says this about how people will identify his followers. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If ministry is difficult because of the people that are running it and the people that are being ministered to and the people that are making mistakes and the people that are messy. It's our love for those people because we're those people (laughs) that shows people that we're God's people. Let me say it one more time. Our love for those people from these people show that we're his people. We get to love one another. Somebody's missing, reach out. Somebody's talking mess, Reach out. Let's go back to Acts 1. Verse 15 says something super profound for us. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, and that word also can mean sisters. Please understand this about that culture. If there was one man in a room of a thousand people, they would go for the masculine. It would be brothers. So Adelphoi means brothers and sisters. And we already know women were present. But in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. Bunch of different people. They were together. Do you guys remember, and I skipped over this on purpose because 
I'm just kind of weird and manipulative sometimes. So <laughs> you remember what they got together for? What did they devote themselves to? What were they in one accord with? Prayer. You know that prayer has been a weakness of the ministry at Crosswater Community Church. Doesn't mean people aren't praying. We actually have every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Prayer rooms open. We have time to pray. It's generally one person in particular, and then I join him most of the time. I'd love for you to be a part of that. I've had people say, can we have a prayer night? We're going to have two this year, at least. Love to have more. You know that people pray all the time. Small groups, they pray. People pray when they're driving. People pray for them to stop driving. People pray for the weather. You know, they say they took prayer out of public schools. <laughs> they still have tests, so they still have prayer. <laughs> There's so many different times when people are praying, but to be intentional, to be dedicated, to pray in the same direction for the same thing, that's what it means to be in one accord. They prayed. And Peter stood up. Did he stand up as the main prayer? You know how many times people are like, I just, oh, I don't like praying in, in groups. Okay. But people did that in the Bible. Jesus also said, and we talked about this, we had a whole series on it. He's like, don't pray just so everybody can hear you. Maybe go by yourself and get in a prayer closet. Or they had a stall, a prayer stall, and that would be like a closet enclosed in a cloud and prayer. But they would also pray publicly. Will you remind me really quick, friends? Who are we talking to when we're praying? But so often we pray like the little critters, like, Dear God, help Grandpa to share the cookies. Honey, God's not deaf. No, but Grandpa is. I mean, what, who are you praying to? What are you praying about? Let's talk to God together. Let's talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. All those cliches, and they're really good. But let's be together in prayer. That's what they did. And he stands up again, this Peter, who, gosh, does he even deserve to have any kind of position of authority? Nope. But he was reinstated by Jesus three different times, I believe, for the three different times that he rejected Jesus. Jesus knew it. He called it. He said, you're gonna. Remember that story? You're gonna before it ever happened. And he did. And Peter stood up. And he stood up as one who prayed. There's a couple of my favorite quotes from Christian authors, Christian pastors, Christian thinkers, philosophers. First one's from C.S. Lewis. And it's going to be multiple screens. And so if you're there at home, sorry, take a picture or go on the app and it'll have it in its entirety. C.S. Lewis said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And then John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress and many others, he says, prayer is a shield to the soul sacrifice to God and a scourge or scourge to Satan. 
I've heard it said also that it's difficult to have a hard heart towards somebody when you're praying for them. <laughs> Oftentimes, I find myself starting a prayer like, would you please change whoever? Would you help them to figure it out? And I find myself praying for things in their life that if I was really trying to hold something against them, I may not be praying for those things. Jesus, show them more of you. And Jesus, would you actually use me to show more of you? Would you help me to be gracious and kind and not keep a record of wrongs? And next thing you know, I actually like these people again. Pray for people. Pray for situations. And guess what? Here in Acts, by the way, we're only going through the first seven chapters. But all the way through Acts, these people are praying. They're praying together. They're praying to get people out of prison and it works. And they're praying for people. They prayed a bunch for John the Baptist, not in the book of Acts but in the Gospels, to be set free. And he wasn't. He was beheaded. And yet, he was esteemed. And they drew closer, praying together for other people. So Peter gets up, and here's his speech really quick. It's Acts 1, 16 through 20. Um, just really quick, how many little kids do we have in here? Anybody under the age of 10? Good. That's a good try. Nice. I mean, you're a little kid to me, but. All right. There's a little bit of graphic content, but it is the Bible. So here we go. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now, this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, 30 pieces of silver. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akodama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Remember, this is fisherman Peter. Remember what Jesus said that he would do for his people and what the Holy Spirit would do? Open their minds to the scriptures, to understand them, to remember them, to share them. And this is happening right here before our eyes. This was written in the book of Psalms. May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his place or take his office is what it says in the ESV. This is prophecy. Just a tiny bit about him leaving, about Judas leaving. He was counted with him. Do you know, actually, as far as time is concerned, will you join me in First John 2.19? But do you know, that he was there on the night that Jesus was betrayed before he betrayed him? Do you know that he was actually sitting with him? Do you know that he actually got some of the bread broken off and handed to him? And he had the cup handed to him? Jesus actually used that as an indicator 
of who was going to betray him as somebody who's going to dip in the cup. He gave him the Last Supper right there like everybody else. He'd been given all kinds of opportunity like everybody else, but he left. Hear me very clearly. He didn't just leave because he wanted to go to a church that had more drums. He didn't leave because he wanted to go to a church that took things less seriously. He didn't just leave because he was moving to another town. He abandoned Jesus, and he regretted it, but he never repented of it. There are people that are going to leave from a church that you're in, a small group that you're in. God forbid they'll even leave a family that you're in, but they actually might come back to Christ. They don't have to be in your presence to be in Jesus. And some of what I was feeling last week is just the, the pain of people leaving because they don't like how something is said or they don't agree with it. And they didn't have any conversation. But Judas was going to leave, and God knew that. And he left, and he never came back. He actually killed himself. But we're going to read right here in 1 John 2.19 a little something it has been manipulated for years. I don't want to manipulate it, but I can't ignore it either. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Well, I love other passages that teach off of this, but or something similar to it, but I want to remind you, there are some people that leave because they're not a part of it. They're not a part of the family, and they prove it. They walk away from Jesus. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to beg you, I'm going to I'm gonna request that you pray for and you pursue people that have left. Not come back to Crosswater Oval. That would be wonderful because fellowship is beautiful. But come back to Christ. Say, tell me what's happening. And some people are like, I never left Jesus. I just don't like this and this and this. And like, okay, well, let's work through that. I'm glad you never walked away from Jesus. But some people just walk away from Jesus. And you can only go so far. And so you got to say, all right, I got to let you have at it. I want you to know there's a bridge still if you'd like to come back. First of all, to Christ. Because, man, I just always think about how cool that story would have been if Judas, when he came back and he threw the 30 pieces of silver and said, this is blood money, this is bad. And then he went, where do I go? And all of a sudden, like a movie, he remembers the voice of Jesus. I won't leave you. I love you. Once you're in my hands, nobody can snatch you out. Those guys might hurt me. I'll go back to those guys. Maybe he didn't even know Jesus had risen from the dead yet. How cool would that story have been? It can actually still be that way for people that are still grieving, friends. So reach out to them. Tell them Jesus still loves you. Jesus wants you. His kindness, it says in Romans, leads us to repentance. Let people know that.
that some people leave because they don't want it ever. You pray to Jesus for discernment on who there will be. Some people leave for petty reasons. Some people leave for really good reasons. Some people are going to help you understand a little more about your faith by them walking away. You ever heard the phrase there, but by the grace of God, go I? Maybe some people wander so you won't. Because you say you know all of that. Will you try? Will you reach out to them? Will you say, hey, can we be in one accord again? Can we be together? Look, peace is hard work, and I ask you to pay attention to the Live It Out videos. I ask you to do that all the time, but it's another application that I try to put out there for you. This one, I really think can be helpful for those who are struggling with community and unity and maybe people that have wandered, and so I ask you to watch that later. Let's go back to Acts 1. We'll finish 21 and 26 here. He says this speech a little bit, quotes Psalms, and says, look, this is how it's supposed to be. But someone else is supposed to take his office. So verse 21 through 26. So one of the men who have accompanied us, I love that together word, during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, another together word. beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So what was the criteria? What were they looking for? Say it again. Yeah, somebody was with them from when Jesus got baptized to when Jesus rose from the dead. We've always heard there was 12. There was at least 14, as you're about to hear, that were there the whole time. There was a lot more than that. And so they put forward two. I love this. I wish I could spend some time and just joke more about it and have fun with it. But they put forward two, and one of these guys had three names. Joseph, called Barsabbas who was also called Justice. You know what that's like, right? Nicknames. Maybe Joseph was just a really popular name, but I mean, he had three different names. So for this guy, Joseph, Barsabbas, Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed. Woo, some more prayer. And they said, You, Lord, who know all the hearts, excuse me, know the hearts of all. Man, let that just resonate a little bit. You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry in the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And this is just weird, but it's the last time we hear it in the Bible. Praise God. They cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven. They rolled dice. We hear about this, Jesus on the cross, and they cast lots, and they know that there's this human and human and all this stuff, and it's really, was it rocks? Was it dice? Was it sticks? Whatever it was, they prayed. 
But I love it. This is the last time we hear about that because from here on out, they have the Holy Spirit and they get used to listening to him. The more you listen to him, the better you understand his voice, by the way. Hallelujah. And they have the Bible and we have the Bible. We don't have to roll dice. When it's come to hiring people here, we don't flip a coin. We pray, we, we look, we, we see, we talk to a bunch of people, we interview people, there's all this stuff, but we're just like, Lord, you know their hearts. And they picked this guy, Matthias, and people are like, yeah, but God actually chose Paul. And that's why he gets saved later on, and he's the apostle. And then you never hear about Matthias again in the Bible. You know who else you never hear about in the Bible from this point on? Any of the other disciples but two, Peter and John. But they were all still part of the story, including Paul. And I don't know how he fit in. I don't know if he saw back when he was a Pharisee, he was really going, hmm, I see that Jesus getting baptized. I don't know, maybe. But I also know that he was an apostle and he came to the Lord after he killed some of the Lord's people. Which leads to a wonderful message I want to give you from 1 Samuel. You'll get all the way back there. I'm reading that with a friend of mine. We haven't got to 16 yet, but we're going to go there today. 1 Samuel 16, 7. David is the runt of the litter. He's got seven older brothers. And one of the boys in that family is being picked to be the next king. And God says no about all of them but David. Before all this happens, 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him. He's talking about the oldest and the best looking, Eliab. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Thank you, Jesus. Pray to the one that knows hearts of people. Stay united. Stay together. Help people. If they need to find another church because there's something wrong and they, they're not leaving in anger, they're just leaving, it's time for me to move on then help them to do that and stay connected and encourage them and pray with them and pray for them. Don't judge from what you see. Ask God who knows their hearts what it's about. So it leads me to how are you going to move towards Jesus off of this message. Some of you need to absolutely just flat out say, I don't understand all of that, but what I do understand is that I'm not God and I need Jesus, and so I'm giving my life to him, not just so I can have all of my dreams come true, but because he's God and I'm not. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. And some of you, that's the first step, and that's going to be this together with the Lord. And then get into fellowship. Some of you seeking a fellowship have made it really optional. But you're here today, praise God, in this chilly weather and risking a lawsuit and all that. It's just amazing. But it's time for you to get united, to get into a small group, start a small group, come to a prayer group, start a prayer group. 
And for some of you, you're just like, I don't really want to share this good news. I want there to be more people that know the Lord and grow in the Lord. Disciple one another. Spend time with that. Connect with somebody. And near the end of February, we're going to have some evangelism training. It'll be on a Saturday. Think the 25th. Just going to look that up really quick. But I'd love to invite you as a next step to come and check that out. 24th. Please consider that. We love you. Jesus loves you. He's drawing you towards him in your faith, in following him, in unity, in prayer. And may it be contagious. Point people to the cross. Share with more and more people. Invite people. Let's pray and then it's time to get going. Please be careful. Some of it's thought out. Some of it isn't. If it looks like black ice, God, I love you and thank you for loving us first. I thank you that apart from you, we're not empowered. But when we're with you and your Holy Spirit actually is in us, we're empowered and that will not be taken away. So help us to be strong. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to be the kind of people, Lord, that step up, step out for you. And as Pastor John reminded us, we wouldn't lose our gospel mind. We'd be reminded that the God of sports is a puny God. The God of money is a puny and false God. The God of attention and the God of just notoriety is not a God at all. Only you are. And so may we repent where we need to repent, worship and follow you. Make you known and be excited about it. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we're together in one accord with you and your people. May we remember that and do the hard work of maintaining peace with one another. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.